from Relay FM. This is Download, recorded Thursday, May 2nd, 2019. This is episode 102, More Ham Figures Into It. Welcome to Download, where we cover the most interesting technology stories of the week. I am Jason Snell, and I'm joined as always by Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Jason Snell. Welcome back to the show. Yes, we yeah. are. We are here together talking about topics. Talking about it's a, topics. It's a Thursday. It's, it's what we do on it's Thursdays. Like, it's a Thursday, and we're joined this week by uh, somebody I've known of. I don't even want to think how long I've known this person. He is a senior editor at Tom's Guide. It's Philip Michaels. Hi, Phil. Hello. How are you today? I, I I'm doing a podcast. It's my Thursday morning podcast day today. How are you? Oh wow. Wow, I hope you got a good guest. What a coincidence today. I'll have you know, no, you are our first choice this week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a running gag that you fill in when people cancel, yes. but you actually yes, were our first exactly. choice this week. No, I was actually in, and there's no other guest on, so boy, you are screwed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tune away now, if you must. Uh, topic number one, though, is about uh, Apple. We're going to talk about Facebook in a little bit, but I want to start with some Apple stuff. Apple's financial results came out this week. Uh, interesting in that the iPhone sales were still uh, down year over year and yet it seems like everybody in the stock market basically has now internalized the fact that that was going to happen and of course when stock prices move it's because of what uh what the market knows not what is uh not what actually is announced and so this was assumed it's just interesting because apple's valuation went back over a trillion which is kind of kind of funny big story i think is probably the services revenue which continues up apple's been plugging that for four years now it's now 20 percent of apple's overall revenue revenue. It's uh, nearing 50% of its profit, I believe, because it's got vastly superior pro- uh, profit margins to the hardware business, unsurprisingly. And uh, and I think that that's interesting. And the other thing I wrote a piece about this week is Apple mentioned, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it, that with the iPhone sales uh, kind of flattening and, uh, and going down, Apple was like, oh, maybe we should use our massive retail arm to make efforts to convince people to buy new iPhones. Uh, which means, yes, this is a business largely based on people just demanding the phones that Apple makes without Apple making much of an effort beyond that. And I think that's true. I have heard from people who work at Apple stores that that last fall, Apple was like, oh, we should try to sell iPhones. And that seems to have been successful in putting in trade-in programs and other things like that. And Tim Cook talked about that a little bit. So I guess that's the first stop is is um, when you take a look at what uh, a quarter like this is for Apple. Uh, Phil, did anything strike you out of out of all the disclosures that they made? Well, I, I guess the, the thing that I'm, I'm stuck with is that um, the, the iPhone used to be, what, two-thirds of Apple's business just in terms of revenue? Um, yeah. I, I, I think the year-ago quarter, it was, it was at 61%. Now it's down to about 53.5. And normally that would be a terrible thing that your, your big, your, 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 your big sales generator, um, is plummeting, uh, in that way. But I, I think either because Apple did a good job back in January of, uh, letting people know about the shift, uh, in strategy and the, 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 the slowdown in sales. And also because they had the, the strong services story to tell at the end of March that I think people aren't um, 
panicking the way that they would have back in the 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 bad old days of uh of uh 1999 2001 when uh the Apple was, is doomed uh, stories. We're still on the template ready to, to push out. Right. And a lot of this, a lot of this change in the pie chart is because of the growth of services. And, and it's not like the iPhone is going down much in terms of overall revenue, but services is growing so rapidly. So it's not like the iPhone is taking a nosedive, right. but it's pie chart. It's pie wedge is reduced. Yes. And also that you're charging more for, uh, for iPhones than you, you previously might've been helps, uh, helps soften the blow. I mean, that I think is definitely the most interesting story. But the second one for me is that uh, looking at revenue by category, and they don't tell us unit sales anymore. So this is just looking at money coming in the door. Mac is 10%, a wearable home accessory, you know, so this is Apple Watch, HomePod, AirPods, 9%, iPad, 8%. Those are all very close to each other in terms of revenue generated. And I think, you know, uh, Jason, you always do this great tweet after the quarterly results uh, with the Bezos chart yep. uh, with Apple Watch sales because Apple doesn't disclose Apple Watch sales. They just say, best quarter ever, twice as big as last time, or whatever. Yeah, hit an air pocket and flew, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that happens, but that's something that Tim Cook yeah. said once. I would think if you hit an air pocket, you you like plummet <laughs> you, to the ground, I, but I'm not too? a pilot. Tim Cook is an pilot. optimist, therefore air pockets <laughs> he, make you go up. He, he is an optimist, uh, but I think obviously the services is the more interesting story, but I think this other category growing and it and the Mac and the iPad basically being on level ground more or less is just a, an interesting, like solid base of business for them that doesn't necessarily make the headlines every time. But, uh, you know, <laughs> wearables and home accessories being almost the same size as the Mac is really interesting as someone who is still very max centric in the way that I approach the company. And these are very large businesses. Like each one of these yeah. businesses is we're, we're talking about like a 20, 20 to 25 billion dollar a year business. And the fact that wearables is now comparable size. Also that category used to be called other. So I guess thumbs up to Apple for the rebranding that they did last quarter of me. It's something yeah, better, it's a better than name other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, primarily this is Apple watch and AirPods and, and, and some other accessories are in there. Dongles are in there. That's a big one, dongles. Uh, but it's it's a huge business for them, especially the. I, I think the, the it's no uh, coincidence that Apple has been touting the Apple Watch and its uh, uh, health tracking and uh, capabilities for, gosh, the better part of a year now. I, I think that is a uh, uh, a conscious effort on Apple's part to to pump up that aspect of its business as well. On the Mac side, uh, Apple did something that I noted in my Macworld piece after the results, and John Gruber also noticed it in my transcript and posted about it, which is uh, they, they basically threw Intel under the bus. Like The Apple-Intel relationship is already kind of fraught because, as we've talked about on this show, the 5G issue where Intel kind of couldn't deliver 5G equipment for Apple, which made Apple go back to Qualcomm and apparently pay Qualcomm, you know, the four and a half five billion dollars that it owed them and made a deal to use uh, qualcomm stuff and license their patents but uh, on this other front they just said straight out that mac sales went down a little bit year over year and they felt that that was entirely due to a failure of their processor provider to provide Mm. the equipment they literally said we would have done uh better year over year if they didn't mention Intel by name, but very clearly it's like Intel couldn't get us the processors and so we couldn't sell enough Macs. And it's like that is a relationship that is uh, 
just they're counting it down that the, like the, the bags are packed it's not good <laughs> i i, I kind of raised my eyebrow at that i mean i generally believe apple is a company that tells the truth and in these uh situations they actually are obligated to tell the truth but like is that the reason <laughs> like Macs have not been, at least as far as i've noticed Macs haven't been crazy back ordered right it's not eight weeks to buy a macbook air like is that really what's going on there or i mean there's a lot going on with the mac line the, the waters are muddy because all the broken keyboard parts are just floating around in the water but it just it feels like maybe they want to solo intel out here and maybe a little unfairly i don't know well it, it gets people to stop talking about the keyboards for a little That's bit true. which uh might be might might have been part of the game plan there but yeah <laughs> there, there, there are issues beyond just our our chip supplier fell down on the the job that might have people not enthusiastic about the the mac lately i just uh upgraded to a uh one of the newer MacBook Airs, and um, it's it's been a journey. It's been a transition. It's been uh, mm-hmm. wow. The these keyboards have really gone downhill since 2014. So yeah, uh, and you're so, in Dongletown now, Jason. Yeah. is uh, Jason's favorite town. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Phil is using uh, an old computer, in fact, to do this podcast because uh, he doesn't yet have the dongle required. I, yeah, I I forgot in my in my transitioning to the new MacBook Air uh, uh, game plan to write down buy every dongle in the world yep so well you got you got plenty of time for that yeah learn from my story people get your dongles in order uh the other thing i wanted to mention is ipad just to say that this the ipad seems to have found a uh some purchase you know a place to Mm -hmm. to rest uh in terms of its sales level where there was a period there of several years where sales just kept going down and everybody said well sooner or later we'll figure out what the ipad business looks like and apple has shown growth year over year in the ipad in six of the last eight quarters and it's two consecutive months uh or quarters of double digit growth and it's the largest year over year growth for the ipad in six years and keep in mind the ipad has only existed for nine years so basically since that first initial expansion of the ipad in its first three years and you know the mac mac is doing okay it's kind of like up and down and up and down but basically has found a level ipad though really was trying desperately to find a level and uh it seems to have done that and apple ascribed most of that to the ipad pro even though late in the quarter they did announce a couple other new ipads so uh presumably they're going to get even more of a bump from the new uh, iPad Air and iPad Mini next quarter. So it was a good quarter for the iPad. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think we can keep an eye on on that and see see how that plays out. You know, if they if they see a bump from the Air and the Mini, I think that will be. I think that makes sense that that will follow. Uh, the iPad line feels like it's in the best shape from like a product perspective than maybe it ever has. I mean, yes, there are a lot of models, but I think all the all the spaces on that ladder where they have models, I, all of them make sense. I think there's sometimes in the past with the iPad, you would look at like, well, that model doesn't make sense. Is that just a legacy, you know, echo from, from the past? And it really feels like now the whole top to bottom range makes sense. And I think that customers will respond to that. Um, another story that came out this week that I thought was worth at least mentioning is uh, a story on uh, CNBC's website about Apple's uh, server bill. Now, every month I pay Linode $100 to serve everything that I do on the internet. 
Um, Apple, it, it, their bill is a little bit bigger. They're, they're using Amazon and not Linode. And they, uh, they spend apparently about $30 million a month on Apple's cloud services. And what I find interesting about this story is that it there there's baked into it there's sort of this assumption that maybe you know Apple would want to do more of this stuff on its own and why is it using a rival services but Apple doesn't you know Apple is not in the business that Amazon's in in terms of providing massive amount of cloud services for other people um, you know it, it's it's I'm not sure I want Apple to take its web services entirely in-house like relying on aws it strikes me as being maybe financially prudent and also technically smart because they you know i know that they're giving money to a competitor but they're giving money to a competitor for solid services that their business is built on and i'm just mm-hmm. uh, curious if either of you guys had had some thoughts about the the embedded assumptions here i thought the the story was kind of weird kind of weird because yeah no it just, just in the sense first off 30 million seems kind of low actually <laughs> seems like apple's getting a really good deal second why wouldn't you go to the the um number Number one provider uh, of of this service, rather than do it all in house and uh, cut into your own uh, uh, profit margin, uh, get, getting that stuff up and running. Um, and if you're shocked that Apple does business with Amazon, buddy, wait until you see who's supplying the glass for their iPhone screens. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, an odd uh, odd story. I thought, yeah, Apple doesn't have to make everything about it. And AWS, like they they run a huge amount of the internet. I mean, so Steve. They could, they they obviously have their own data centers, but the, but there is this issue of sort of scalability, and do they mm-hmm. do they want to? Uh, they can scale rapidly on AWS, whereas it's going to take them time to build data centers of their own. So, um, you know, it does it does make sense. It, it, and that's why I thought the story was a little bit weird, because it's like, did you know Apple's paying Amazon? And I was like, well, yeah, it's silly. Seems prudent. <laughs> not yeah, to, I mean, not to kick this it, story, but mm, it's weird. It is weird, and. I mean, like you said, AWS is the best solution for a lot of these problems. And look, Apple has a, let's call it spotty track record when Mm -hmm. it comes to cloud services and being able to partner with really good infrastructure can help them improve that. So I would be worried if a story came out and said that they're doing it all themselves. (laughs) Right. I'd be more up in arms about that story than this one. Yeah. Yeah, weird story, weird story. Okay, uh, sorry, I'm going to stop kicking that story now. But it's like, okay. uh, yeah, you know, Apple's history, you're right. The track record's not great. And AWS is solid, and it allows them to scale rapidly because Amazon has to deal with the infrastructure. And, you know, if they're looking at like, well, okay, where can we build more data centers? Because we're sure we're going to use them. They can do that and keep uh, other parts of their services on AWS instead. I think it's a, I think this is smart. I think this actually strikes me a little bit of like people saying, I can't believe like, like uh, Samsung, here's a good example. Like Samsung supplies screens for Apple products, right? Right. right. And you know, they're, yes, they're arch enemies and rivals. They're also in a client relationship, a supplier relationship. And that's like, it's business folks. It's business. They, they hate each other except that they also rely on each other. That's just, you know, 
Wait till you hear about who's doing the modems for the iPhones. What? Uh, coming up. <laughs> oh, no. I hope it's not Intel yeah. anymore. Uh, no, probably not. Probably, probably not. All right. Let's take a break. And then we're going to talk about our favorite company, the company that seems to have defined this podcast because they keep doing terrible things. They had an event this week. So therefore, it's not a scandal. But we are going to talk about Facebook anyway. Uh, brace yourself. But before that, let me tell you about our sponsor for this episode. This episode of Download is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile Software. Do you not know what text expander is have you not used it before it lets you insert text words phrases forms templates whatever you can think and you can do it in a couple of clicks on your keyboard anywhere you type in your devices you can get a couple of letters to mean a whole bunch of boilerplate text that you need to type over and over again stop typing typing the same text over and over again or digging around and looking for like a file where you keep that paragraph so that you can paste it into the email when you need to let text expander handle all your repetitive typing tasks uh, new version 6.5 it's now available for mac os 2.0 is available on windows both versions use a new visual editor so it's never been easier to create text snippets and they can be smart they can have fill-ins they can have dates and date math they can be nested a whole lot more if you already love text expander and like to tell people about it join the affiliate program and earn a little something when people sign up and if you're like me and you're always looking for ways to be a little more productive you need text expander this is the way you stop answering people's questions over and over again by saying the same things i have a bunch of things that people ask me all the time shorten it into a text expander snippet then i type what two characters and boom out comes the whole paragraph i don't need to recompose it every single time what a waste of time don't do it use text expander go to textexpandercom slash podcast and you can learn a lot more about text expander from our friends over at smile and thank you to them thank you to text expander for supporting download and all of relay fm now it's time for our story you might have missed, something that may have flown under your radar, but we think is worth mentioning. And this harkens back to two of our favorite shows of the year, CES and Mobile World Congress, where many products are announced and some of them never ship. Stephen, what do you have? Yeah, so this is the Energizer Power Max P18K Pop, which was a... You could call it a smartphone. I tend to think about it as a portable battery with an Android phone Velcro to the front of it. 18,000 milliamp hour battery. Seems like, hey, this is great. People want extra battery life. So this was put together by a French company. They just licensed the Energizer brand name. Uh, Allegedly, it could last for 50 days on standby or play two days of continuous video. So if that's a need you had, this phone could have been your savior. But alas, the $1.2 million Indiegogo campaign failed. It only made about 15 grand. So, (laughs) you know, 1% of what they needed. They only had 11 backers. Uh, Rest in peace. Phil, you're going to miss the the ludicrous. This was one of the many ludicrous products that we see at Mobile World Congress and at CES. Right, right. I was going to jump in there and say that this was a Mobile World World Congress uh, piece of silliness. Uh, yeah. That's C- CES with a more Spanish flair. More yeah. more ham <laughs> figures into it there. But no, I will not miss the uh, Energizer Power Max P18K pop because uh, uh, at the time you see you, you see well that's never going to ship and um, for for a number of reasons first off uh, Energizer or this French company that licensed the Energizer brand name they they do um, 
actually release phones that are out there. They're mostly available in, in Europe. It's not really a, a brand that makes its way over here. So I, I was, uh, uh, thinking that it would not make it there. I always, um, uh, get suspicious when a, a company, an established brand launches an Indiegogo or crowdfunding campaign, not to kick Indiegogo. Kickstarter is, uh, mm-hmm. is culpable in this too. Cause uh, you have money. You could make this if you wanted to. You're A, trying to gauge interest and B, really trying to drum up publicity for, uh, for, for this product. So, um, it, it struck me as kind of a stunt to begin with. Um, and, if you just look at the size of this thing that they were that they were touting around, you would you would need a small boy to carry your phone <laughs> around with you, like bearers uh, uh, from the old uh, safari movies. But boy, bring me my phone, and because it was like I think eight tenths of an inch thick, it just it, you, it, it doubled as a weapon. It it was a, a silly looking piece of technology in a in a time when things are getting thinner and lighter and more portable. Um, I I. I don't think having a phone that lasts 50 days on a charge is worth that trade-off. And it seems like the rest of the world agreed. I do find it funny that established companies make uh, use uh, crowdfunding as a way to, I think, do marketing. But apparently in this case, it's also market research, which is we have this idea for a product. Does anybody want it? Uh, nope. Okay, nope. moving on. <laughs> then. Yeah. Guess not. And and just to just to give a peek behind the curtain, when I get a, a a PR pitch from from companies, and they say, "Hey, we have this really exciting product. Would you like to hear about it?" And I go, "Yeah, I would." Oh, it's going to be on Kickstarter, or Indiegogo, and then I go, "Oh, not no. so much. Mm-mm. No, that's a that's a good way to lose my interest." Yeah, I I got a product that will remain nameless where they said we can send you one now, but we're doing it on Indiegogo. And I thought, so the product already exists. You're just using Indiegogo as your marketing campaign. And they said, yeah, that's that's basically it. And in fact, my understanding with that product is that they basically fed it uh, money, so it so it it already had meet, met its goal. <laughs> Yeah. So that they everybody because they were just they wanted the buying psychology of I'm getting in on something that's already guaranteed to fund. And it's like, why didn't you just sell your product? It's like, I don't know. It's a way to sell your product. It's a way to get attention. It's weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Facebook. F8, the conference is this week. And uh, we, you know, they, they announced a whole bunch of stuff. Mark Zuckerberg got on stage and he talked about uh, privacy. He talked about a focus on groups and people you know. They made a bunch of changes to Messenger. We can get into a lot of the, a lot of the details, uh, more changes to Instagram and WhatsApp to make them more like Facebook, uh, expansion of Facebook dating and a new feature that is a, it seems to me a, a bad idea called Secret Crush. Um, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to start with, with Zuckerberg in general. So I watched uh, uh, a cut down version of the keynote video. And, um, you know, we beat on Facebook a lot here. But I got to say, uh, when you see Mark Zuckerberg stand on stage and uh, try to uh, address the fact that Facebook has had like two terrible years where their reputation has been dragged through the mud and the behavior of all their executives, including Mark Zuckerberg, have been questioned. And to see him on stage and kind of smirk his way through his admission that uh, that it was bad and that Facebook has a terrible reputation as if he doesn't... I mean. To to read about it or to see him in front of Congress is one thing. To see him on stage where he controls everything and is talking to a rabid fan base of, of Facebook-related developers and other people um, is quite another because I... I mean, it felt to me like he could barely even admit that anything was bad with a straight face. And I, I, when I look at him, 
and his demeanor, I think he does not believe a word of what he's saying. Now, maybe that's just me. Uh, you know, how did how did you guys read Mark Zuckerberg? Is it is it just me? Well, as someone who wrote a, um, a Facebook FA preview uh, article in which I basically said that Mark Zuckerberg should quit <laughs> since he has no credibility on the on the privacy issues. Yeah, I, I would uh, say that your interpretation is perfectly fair. <laughs> I, I, it, if I could uh, climb inside the head of Facebook. Uh, f- for careful, a be careful. Yeah, well. Us like a machete with you. Yeah, Bring a machete. Uh, last year at uh, F8, this was the 2018 edition, um, they did the full-on Mia Copo with the sad video at the beginning about, oh, we've, we we realize we, we need to regain your trust, but we're going to do it. And, and th- there was um, quite a sizable um, uh, uh, bit of time in the first day keynote last year devoted to uh, – to, uh, basically doing the apology tour and the second day keynote last year was outlining how they're going to use AI and uh, uh, all these uh, tools to to uh, finally uh, root out all the things that make uh, Facebook terrible and I think probably Facebook um, in in thinking what they were going to do for the 2019 edition said yeah we're not gonna we have more to apologize for but we're not just gonna make this the uh, the we're sorry to 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 talk about this. I, I also think having Mark Zuckerberg tell a joke is a really bad strategy because first off, I'm not sure he understands what it is that makes us humans laugh. Yeah. And, uh, so that, that was a bad approach. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough when you're talking about the shift to, um, uh, a privacy focused platform to have the guy who's responsible for so many privacy blunders, uh, uh, explaining what they're going to do because the question you you have in your mind is well great why haven't you been doing that the past decade that you you've suddenly had this brainstorm that we like privacy though again in facebook's defense it's not like they're um they're getting they get roasted in the press and get roasted by users who complain about it but their daily active user count keeps going up and their revenue yeah. keeps going up so it, it almost becomes like a moral hazard situation where uh there's really no penalty for doing the 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 more terrible stuff that they do so there's no uh incentive to uh to to fix it a five the this three to five billion dollar ftc fine that people are floating around that's that's it, it seems weird to call that chump change but that's chump change to facebook yeah i mean he gets up there and sort of chuckles at a joke about facebook we're going to do privacy it's like you can't be more tone deaf than mark zuckerberg <laughs> like it's it's he's at the all the way at the end of that of that list of tone deaf things you could say mark zuckerberg holds holds that down you know i just facebook's from a different era it it came from a version of the internet before the one we are in now where sharing things was a lot more difficult and Facebook made that easy for people in a way that, you know, most consumers never had seen before. And uh, that's definitely true for me. I was in college when Facebook was rolling out to college campuses across the country. I was very excited when it showed up at my university and, but we don't live in that time anymore. And Facebook isn't the product it was then. And they have uh, found themselves in a place and this is not me being sympathetic to Facebook because I'm not, but they are now in a place where the uh, a lot of consumers are demanding things that Facebook just doesn't offer around privacy and security and encryption. And Facebook is trying to respond to that because uh, Facebook doesn't want to be the next 
MySpace or the next AOL. These these large internet companies and platforms that have come and gone before. I think that's why we see Facebook buying up WhatsApp and Instagram and all these other companies to try to remain relevant. To try to oh, people have left Facebook and they're over there. We'll just go buy you know buy the platform they're on now. And this, I think, is in line with that sort of thinking where they see what people want. They're going to try to do it, but it feels like such an impossibly huge pivot for especially the main Facebook platform to reinvent itself to become a a harbor for communities and groups and downplaying the news feed and like all this privacy stuff. It's so opposite of where they've been for so long. I just don't know. Uh, if any, if many people will trust them to to do that correctly, I certainly don't, and uh, I think they have a lot to prove. You know, he's he's said a lot of the right things in this keynote, right? As as cringy as it was at times, talking about end to end encryption and having a place that's built around communities and then having anti bullying tools on Instagram, those are all good things. But uh, Facebook is really bad at implementing good things, and I think they need to prove that they can do that for to to at least. Um, if not regain trust of people who they've left, but to the very least keep the consumers they still have. Yeah. One of the things, you, you know, you mentioned there's Facebook and then there's all the things that it's, it's, it's bought. And that's something that struck me about the, uh, the F8 stuff is there, it, it actually gave me kind of an AOL vibe where they're so big that they just want to own everything and that like literally everything you do on the internet should happen inside Facebook. And if there's something that you're doing outside Facebook, uh, their solution is to buy that thing and integrate it inside Facebook. So, you know, Messenger, they're going to change and they want to make it end-to-end encrypted, which is good. And they're going to do desktop versions of the apps because they want it to be, you know, they want it to be something you rely on, but that you don't need to have like a Facebook tab open in order to, in order to see. But they're also going to make changes to instagram they're bringing in the like dating stuff there are so many uh there's like lots of shopping and other things that they're adding to whatsapp like it is i I definitely got the sense that that uh you know if you don't like facebook that's fine we have eaten all of the other things on the internet and we we want to control this and that Mm -hmm. that was just something that i kept seeing like messenger for me i'm annoyed that facebook broke messenger out as its own thing because then it's like a second app to install and all of that but i kind of you know i get the i get the strategy and instagram it does i feel like now we're seeing like why the guys who created instagram left because instagram feels like it's getting more and more turned into facebook definitely with the um that feature that they talked up uh this week where um i forget what crazy name uh is associated with uh the influencers on uh instagram like it's not oh creators okay creators yes now creators can can buy things so if you go or can sell things so if you you see that uh that uh uh instagram star that celebrity is is wearing a, a a cool pair of shoes you can tap on it and buy it directly from within uh from within uh, Instagram without ever having to leave the app. And uh, I thought, well, that's that's great for everyone making money off of that. It's not really something that interests me. But, um, yeah, you, you, you tout that feature, buddy. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Facebook dating? This is, this is the thing that... So Facebook dating is on in some markets. They're expanding it to more markets. They say they're going to have it I- here in the U.S. by the end of the year. This is, mm-hmm. again, another example of Facebook saying, well, we've got a great social graph already. And uh, so how do we 
leverage that to put all the dating apps out of business. At the same time, people said, well, yeah, but I, I don't want my Facebook life and my dating life to be combined. So they're like, oh, well, you'll have a dating profile and it'll be separate, which is weird because then it's like, well, it's we're, we're using our social graph, but we're not using our social graph, but we're not not using our social graph. So it's, that's kind of weird already. But this week they announced a feature called Secret Crush, where you basically get to create a list of people you know who you you like you you or i guess in in high school terms or middle school terms you like like uh and if they also have you on their list then like a an animation plays and uh you know woo you both secretly like each other and then i don't know what happens i saw a tweet pass by that said this is the feature that will uh that will destroy a million marriages <laughs> um <laughs> and also and i start I, I immediately started gaming it which is well what you do is you just start adding people to your secret crush list and then you take them off and then you add more people and you you find out who matches and who doesn't it, it seems like a terrible idea to me <laughs> well i i think i i don't think facebook articulated this very well i believe secret crush you have to set up a dating profile yes well th- so, i think i think in secret like it's attached yeah. to your dating profile but people don't know that you right, have a dating right, profile yeah. So it's not like you'll just be in regular old Facebook and set up your secret crush list and torpedo your marriages and relationships that way. Um, so you, you actually have to actively uh, create a dating profile, which, but yep. Yep. it's a, it, it's a very weird feature. And it's, I, I think an example of how Facebook can take an idea that seems like a natural extension. Sure. Why not create a dating section on your, on your big social network where you can meet people and, uh, find out who shares your interests and your passions. Sure, we can do that and we can set up this thing where it's a separate profile and so that your friends don't know that you're on the prowl and, the, and that that's fine. But then uh, you, you get the sense that someone who is in a meeting going, hey, what if we invented this feature that you could find out if uh, uh, people who are already your friends want to want to have a romance with you? And 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 it's one of those could have instead of should have. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it this seems like it's going to be um uh opening a, a can of worms that uh Facebook should have kept canned. Steven, you're my secret crush. Whoa. <laughs> That's not what, a secret. What an awkward way to find out. Oh no. Yeah. I said the quiet part loud. Oh. Uh, I, I you know you mentioned what does that say about me. You mentioned in college uh is when Facebook came on the prowl and, and then that's when you uh then you when you started uh connecting with Facebook. Uh imagine can can you like imagine the idea of Facebook dating? Like, good lord! I I can think of a few things worse. <laughs> it it takes two of the worst things in the world and puts them together: Facebook <laughs> and dating. Yeah, I, I got I got a better one: Twitter dating. Oh no, that's worse. Uh, the uh, this this product is interesting. It is not Facebook dating is not in the U.S. It's elsewhere, mostly in South America and Asia right now, yeah, and Canada, Canada. Which is, uh, I'm told by sources, is a real country. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's not here. Um, Canada's also getting the uh, to go back a second. They're also getting the trial of hiding likes in Instagram, which is fascinating to me. I can't imagine that they will stick with that, but I think it's a, a really interesting idea. But yeah, this isn't in the U.S., and I, I wonder if that is to sort of keep it out of the limelight while they roll it out. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just very. 
uh, seems like a weird move to me not to have it here first. Well, I do get the sense that, you know, Facebook usage in different regions is very different. And one of the things about all of these tech companies that are, are trying to play everywhere in the world, and you hear this with uh, Apple's results, they talked about how they have very different results. I think they basically had a year over year improvement if you if you only focused on uh, on the leading uh, economies, but in the developing economies, they they had a drop. And uh, if in Facebook's case, like you get the sense, like obviously WhatsApp has uh, adherence in some countries and in other countries is not that big. And dating, mm-hmm. you know, they must have either seen a use of dating on Facebook already in those countries, or maybe those were places where they thought the dating companies were the weakest, and so that that was an opportunity for them to perfect their product. But it is funny that the the point is though, by the end of the year, this will this beast will be loosed in. In the United States, so we'll get to um, not use it. Ourselves. I think I think rolling it out in the other markets is is also a way to keep your embarrassments out of the headlines mm. if uh, things go pear shaped. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Any other thoughts about uh, about Facebook this week, Phil? Anything else strike you from from F eight? Part of their redesign that they're they're launching, they've rolled it out, I guess, for mobile, and it's coming to the desktop uh, version of Facebook later this year. Is um, the the newfound focus on groups and the the mobile app? In fact, the the groups tab is front and center on that that row of uh, tabs at the top of the app. And it, the only reason this intrigued me because the uh, my, my Facebook uh, page is basically a ghost site at this point. The only reason I, I keep it is because I have to occasionally write about features and it uh, takes too long to, to deactivate and reactivate it each time I have to write a story. Uh, but the other uh, reason I, I, I just haven't created a burner account for Facebook is um, uh, the few groups that I belong to are where are, are, are where the, my primary activity is. My, my kids, uh, Girl Scout troop is on there, but the, the elementary school, uh, has a, has a Facebook group so I can stay abreast of things there. So I, I think that's actually Facebook, um, uh, pivoting to recognize, uh, the things that people like about their site and use about their site. And, uh, hopefully it's something that actually makes groups uh, better and easier to use and integrates it more into the, the use of Facebook and doesn't ruin groups. Uh, as as so many things get ruined when uh, you you monkey with them, I found that groups were the best part of Facebook, and and I had groups on there for several of uh, the things I do, including podcasts, and they were uh, actually pretty successful. And the problem became honestly that I couldn't bear to use Facebook anymore or tell my audience to go to Facebook to interact with me, and that's what drove me off of it. So if you know Facebook, it, it is potentially Facebook recognizing, hey, groups are good and people like them, and maybe if we push that to the fore and say yes these are private groups and we're not going to look at your stuff in there and and uh, you know come back come back to facebook maybe uh, maybe there's a way forward there because i did i have to admit it like those were good spots that was the most successful little like hey if you like the podcast come to our facebook group uh like collection of people that i i have managed to do in an open in an open area also phil mm. not to out you here but uh i i I know you have a fake account because just yesterday your fake person who I follow on Facebook uh, posted that he was uh, making a sandwich. So yes, yes. Well, he loves sandwiches. Is that your test account? Is that what you do? Where you log that, in for posting? Yeah, it, it's used for a couple of things. Also at Tom's Guide, um, we do a lot of customer support testing, and that means going onto um, uh, the the sites of both. Uh, uh, 
wireless carriers and uh, laptop makers and asking uh, asking uh, tech support questions and seeing how responsive they are. And we think we get a more honest uh, appraisal of that if we uh, do it in profiles that don't say, I am a senior editor for Tom's Guide. So, yes, there is a uh, there is a, a, a fake uh, Philip Michaels account on uh, on Facebook where uh he uh, he has a lot of questions about smartphones yes, for it, people. It is, it is, yes. Despite his profession as a sandwich maker, he has a lot uh-huh. of questions about smartphones. Yeah, and uh, I, I had to chuckle uh, at yesterday's Facebook keynote where they were talking about how their AI is catching all these fake accounts, and I said, eh, not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've just interacted with your fake account just to help. Okay, well. Yeah, uh, keep the I'll, keep the spies I'll be sure off. to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time you need to ask a question about a phone, I'll uh, ask a sandwich question in your uh, in your fake account. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we've done enough to Facebook. Have we anything more? Anybody want to kick kick Facebook a little more in their big week? No? Yeah, that that that'll learn them. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll clean up their act now. Anyway, can't wait to get Messenger for the Mac. Um, okay, before we go, I want to share you share a happy story with you, a fuzzy puppy update, and it's uh, the puppies of the sea this week. A baby sea lion was on Interstate 101 in South San Francisco uh, this week at about 8.30 in the morning during the morning commute and people it was wandering on the highway which is no good and drivers are calling and the california highway patrol uh came and stopped traffic and uh and actually a uh a, a person a driver got out of his car and used like a handkerchief to try to like scare it away which i don't recommend that seems like a bad idea but uh the best part may be that when a chp patrol vehicle arrived and the officer opened the back seat of his car the sea lion just jumped on in and was hanging out in the back seat of the car there are pictures of this i'll put a link in the show notes uh the animal was healthy not injured in any way was taken to the peninsula humane society in the chp car and uh, i think that's pretty adorable i don't know how it got up on the freeway on 101 and what it thought it was doing but i kind of love that it immediately just uh, hopped in the back seat and stuck its uh, head out the window and was ready to take a ride um, and that's your fuzzy puppy update because, uh, oh, and thanks to often panelist Carolina Milanese for again, recommending a link for the fuzzy puppy update. What would I do without Carolina's links? Uh, this one was in English though, not in Italian. So I didn't have to translate it. All right. That brings us to the end of this edition of download. Philip Michaels, thank you so much for coming on and talking about, uh, weird phones and Facebook. I was happy to do it. And Stephen Hackett, thank you as always. Of course. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to Download. We will see you next week. I won't be here. I will be on assignment. Uh, But uh, Stephen will be here, and he will be watching the headlines, so you don't have to. Bye, everybody.